Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. Andy, it is one of the most fun weeks of the year. We round out the brilliant month of sports that has been April with one of the funnest standalone events that happens every year on the sports calendar, the NFL Draft. And being that this is a sports handicapping podcast with NFL coursing through our veins, uh, this is going to be a pretty fun episode uh, talking about draft props. You about to get get ready to get into this? I think so. Yeah, you you know the yeah. Like after last after last last year with the you know the high quarterback draft, whatever you want to call it, like the the good quarterback class, all the fun we had about you know who the Browns were going to take and that went going back and forth. And I mean, it, it was just like a high variance. I think all the drafts are high variance, but it was a lot of fun. And I think going into this, like I wasn't as excited because the quarterback draft sucks dick and like it's going to be a heavy defensive first round. But like the last week or so has really really energized me i don't know if i sound energized but i am i'm pretty pumped like just trying to figure out because every book has uh they might have opened late but every book has some props yeah and there is a shitload out there yeah. it's been a lot of fun looking at them all i'm 100 with you i went from zero I to still 100. don't know what's gonna happen yeah <laughs> i went from zero to 100 from like friday to today like i and i'm all in on it today like i, I wish i could told, tell, tell you i did anything today besides really just kind of researching the prop market and the and the draft boards and trying to get an understanding of what's going on uh but there is someone out there in the twitter space uh who not only provides a bottomless useful information for uh handicapping some of the uh college football openers uh, smaller prop markets, and without a doubt, the NFL draft market. Uh, and so for that purpose, we've reached out to him to join us for second appearance on the Deep Dive. Welcome back, Mr. Joey Nish. Gentlemen, no place I would rather be <laughs> than talking draft with <laughs> a couple days before prime time. So this is, oh, this is so it for great. me. This is what I love doing. I feel like today is moving day. In draft prop uh, betting, don't you think? Like, like oh, they yeah. really saw, like. Yeah, good. We saw a lot of places start dropping. I think everybody that was, you know, if you were on the conservative side of it and you were waiting until the week of, you finally started to feel the, the pressure or and see everybody else up. Um, and basically, this was this was where almost everybody at least hit the market with something. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you've noticed, because I know that you're much more diligently following the draft prop market throughout the months of February, March, April than we are. Kind of how, how did you see things play out in the uh, in the kind of the prop market overall uh, as we head into this uh, NFL draft? Today is Monday afternoon, by the way, for those who are listening on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. And well, to wind it back, I think last year you saw the by far the greatest and largest amount of offerings that, that the draft had ever seen. Um, and that's not just an optional level, that's at a Vegas level, that, that's kind of basically the full market was as wide as it's ever been. Um, and I think, and I, I know uh, a number of places took some serious hits. Um, and that basically trickled into this year where, and I've mentioned a few times on Twitter and talking to some other people that it's been, 
unfortunately, uh, pretty conservative as far as limits at a lot of places, um, offerings at a lot of places. Again, it, it picked up today. Um, but up until this point, you, you've seen most of the major offshores with, you know, 25 to $100 limits. Um, and a lot of places not not having, you know, much or just copying from each other. So we finally started to see something today. Um, but overall, it's been it's been pretty conservative. Interesting. Uh, and you're, you would kind of have a thesis or a postulate that that is because they just get beat like a drum every year doing this <laughs> or is yeah, it, and that's, this, this, yeah, it's not about the uncertainty this year, right? No, no. And that, I don't think it's specific to this draft. Um, I think, you know, I talked to even, um, a guy, you know, Rex Byers, some people know on Twitter, uh, and he was bookmaker for a while and talked about basically like, well, he was in charge. Every single year they lost money on the NFL draft, um, even when it was small starting out years ago. Um, and I think that's so some people I know, even other people I know that work behind the counter, that's kind of a, a common theme. So it's more of a limit of how much of a hit do you want to take. And I think a lot of places decided this year that they were going to go the conservative route. Yeah. I'll give them some free advice. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, cause, cause I, I have that, I have are you, that. Are you going to bring some heat there? Well, not heat. It's just, this is just <laughs> from a strategy. This is just a strategy from a bookmaking perspective. Um, you're going to get a lot of players who are playing NFL draft who otherwise are not betting a lot this time of year. You know, there's just, there's not as many, there's not as much, you know, yep. college basketball is over. Uh, not as many people who are into, you know, regular daily betting golf or baseball. Uh, the, you know, the market for NBA and NHL playoffs is a little un uneven and I don't think you have regular players hitting that market. Uh, and, uh, and so there's going to be a lot of people who kind of get involved to bet drafts because they love watching the NFL draft because they live and breathe for the NFL and they haven't had their fix in two months. Uh, and if you want to kind of be a little bit con conscientious of your exposure, fine, put limits. But put more props up, for love of God. Like, just go ham and just put lots of crazy props up, up and down the board. Give us, like, four or 500 to choose from. Like, you're, you're, you know, you, you'll fatigue some of the professionals on this, but you'll at least kind of get more activity from, you know, from the general betting public because they'll be like, oh, wow, well, I wasn't going to bet this, but obviously three LSU players are going to go in round one. So now I'm going to put my 50 bucks in this book and bet that $50 prop. So, I mean, you know, like, like if you just hit a broader range of props, I think you would get more action. Uh, and then the other thing that I would say is like, you're always going to get beat doing this. This is an information market. It's not like, you know, it's not like you're actually trying to kind of come up with a true price for a, a contest that's going to have some, you know, that has, you know, some reasonable, you know, final price. Like you're coming up with a, an information based prop that's not ever going to get long-term two-way action, right? Like, it's not like you can adjust the Kyler Murray number enough that people are like, well, now I have to bet. No, this is just crazy. You know, like people like who are betting into these markets, like they, they hear something, they think something, they run and they make a play. And as the number kind of moves in one direction, you're really not enticing a whole hell of a lot of action on the other side of those, except for people who are professionally scalping you and arbitrating <laughs> you. And like, so, you're, so you're literally <laughs> going to get hurt doing this every year, whether you like it or not. Uh, and so, you know, I, I guess I, I don't have, I'm disappointed that they, 
you know, that they don't have, you know, two, at least you know, two fifty limits or whatever. But like, I don't think you really are risking long-term if you're making book on this and you lose on the draft because now that, you know, these NFL players all win a bunch of money on this, like, they're going to squander it on golf and baseball and, you know, NBA playoffs. Like they, they don't, they don't know what they're doing. Oh, betting into those markets. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, I don't think, I don't think people are like, okay, you know. like 10, <laughs> 20 bets. None of them win. Golf's <laughs> no, hard. I thought you had, no, I, I, you had I, like, I like what you're you saying. Had couple, not, you had a couple of it. No, no. I, yeah. But this dead heat, I might have to write an article, but the, <laughs> the devil that is the dead heat rule. <laughs> my God. The guy, the guy plays top 20. I think I lost money on him. Oh, no, I, I like I like what you're saying though, but it, it because it's not like how is a how is a normal market shaped? You know, they yeah. open the market on a baseball game. Um, the early the early betters weigh in, maybe some sharp money weighs in, and they they adjust the line off that, and the market becomes sharper with the information. And that information is based off people with models, people with opinions. It isn't based off, you know, unless there's an injury, you know, you can nitpick me and say, well, there's an injury or there's a player that might be resting. That's the news. But like all of this stuff is based off rumors and news and it's updating quickly, you know, as far as uh, a coach comes out and says something or, you know, they, they make it clear that they're, they're not going to look at another guy. This isn't, this isn't the same kind of market, not even close. Like it's, it's all going to be just so fluid for the whole week as the information leaks out and trickles out and is, you know, Pete Prisco makes stuff up and just lies. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all just going to adjustments yeah, like yeah. that constantly. And I, I mean, it is a beauty for like, if you're an arbitrage player, just watching the pendulum swing back and forth. And if you want to just keep hitting both sides, and I will say that like, if you, if you're not worried about that and you want some free money, have 10 sports books because there's, handfuls of arbitrage opportunities on on a lot of this and not even like you know something you can bet now and then later like right now two lines that are on the on the same way the fuck off yeah did you see what happened with the kyler murray first overall number today at five dimes Opened it like minus 245, went up to like minus 510, and back down to minus 215. I mean, good golly, like this is just silly. And yeah, I mean, you could be loading up on and, and you know, I you know, it's possible that there are people out there that are playing them who are you know rebetting this every time it peaks and valleys and arbitraging at the other places. They just want volatility so that they can get that arb every time. That wouldn't that wouldn't shock me. Um, I feel like I've seen that at five times before, but. I digress. Um, Joey, let me, can I ask you to help me frame kind of the draft itself uh, and um, kind of what, what we think heading into this? Um, because as someone. You don't know the draft US, works? No, 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 no. I meant the 2019 draft. Uh, because as someone who's, oh. you know, someone who's kind of relatively recently plugged in, trying to get a feel for, you know, who's good. I don't watch a lot of college football. I, in fact, I, I watch of, of people who are heavy duty into gambling. I'm at like the is the fifth percentile probably of how much college football I watch in a year. Um, so I really don't know the players. Well, I really don't know, you know, who's actually good. I don't have any opinions on like, Oh, that's a good player. They, it's a, that's a reach. That's a, you know, value pick, blah, blah, blah. But I get the general sense from everything I'm reading that this year's class is not great. And that this draft overall doesn't have, it's not loaded with the type of 
talented players that are super important for successful football team building in 2019. Uh, is that a fair assessment? And, uh, you know, do you think that that has an influence on how this plays out? No, no, absolutely. Um, I think it's a draft that, that's got more, I'd say, more uncertainty. I mean, every year there's going to be an element of uncertainty, but especially at the top, more uncertainty than I've felt in years past. Um, it, it's one of the things that I've mentioned a few times is this is probably the draft with the least amount of overall QB demand, and that's kind of correlated to the what I would call an underwhelming QB class, which mm. really throws it off from like the last decade at least of NFL drafts where you've got, you know, you've always had for the most part, a handful of teams right at the top that are like QB, QB, or I want to trade up for a QB, or there's the two, three guys that we got to have. As in this year, I mean, you've got maybe, you know, two or three teams you feel relatively confident in are even going to take a QB, and then another three, four more that that have a QB that's playable on the roster, but you don't know if they're leaning one or not. I mean, you've got that, like, Broncos, Bengals, Dolphins, right in a row of, are they even interested in a QB? Would they want one? Would they trade back and take one? Um, that leads to just an absolute ton of uncertainty of, of where the QBs are going to fall. Uh, I mean, even on number one the last few days, started to see a little bit of, um, I mean, just who knows how legit it is. Uh, you know, I have my skepticism, but of kind of where the QBs are all going to fall in, and that just shrivels up the rest of the board. Right on. <clears throat> Andy, tell me about your uh, top overall bets and how you think this plays out. I haven't made a ton yet. Um, no, no, the, the, you, have, you, almost got both sides of, you got both sides of the top overall, don't you? Oh yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, no, that's easy money. Like <laughs> I, I took Murray at three to one to go first and then wh whatever, at whatever to just, you know, make that free money. So that free money, unless something real, like I'm going to be so pissed if something just stupid happens and like Williams goes, for, I don't know. I can't see anything outside of those two going first, obviously, but uh, I didn't see the market swinging that far. I was pretty sweet to, get in early. I wish they'd let me get in for more early and I could have armed for more, but uh, easy money there. I'm super happy about that. I haven't done a lot else because I feel like, like last year I got too excited about some hype trains. I got to be a hype beast <laughs> and things, things kind of went, kind of went tits up on a few plays. Like uh, I, and, and maybe that's a good question for Joey as far as like how much, you know how much of the information we're getting is just just people filling a column just absolute trash that shouldn't be listened to and i mean how much is where, where are you getting your information you know what, what do you trust like are, are, are you taking quotes from coaches or, or anything and, and trusting any of it or are you just kind of got to go by you know, this is how this team's drafted in the past. This is their philosophy. And they'd be absolutely stupid to do anything besides these two or three things. No, I hear you. And I think the vast, vast majority of it is is skeptical at best and a ton of smokescreen. Um, the, the one, the, the thing that I see on Twitter the most is, you know, a lot of draft sites or quote-unquote draft guys, for the most part, and this is my 
I don't even want to say it's a theory. It's with my working by is a lot of that information comes from scouts and even low level scouts. The the issue is a scout isn't a decision maker. So who the guys that have the quote unquote best information are gonna be guys that are tied into the front office. And those guys are very, very few and far between. I think you saw Mike Mayock in years past was the gold standard for his mock draft because he had legitimate front office president general manager connections of the guys who were actually making the picks. Um, and there's just not very many people um, out there with that. You know, I'd say Daniel Jeremiah is one that, that's probably on the upper echelon of actual having legitimate upper tier connections. Um, but for the most part, it, it's, it's real thin as far as guys that, that you're just going to take their word and run with it. If, you know, if it's a Schefter or a rap sheet, that, that feels solid. But a lot of it's just basically combining, combining opinions, you know, taking what uh, a team beat guy says. And if that correlates with someone else who might have a scouting source that correlates with something else you've heard from another site, that if you start, you know, hearing enough smoke in one direction, um, or people are starting to group a player in a certain range, then it, then it feels at least real or you can at least put like a value or a probability on what a number should be that you're actually trying to bet. Right. Okay. That makes total sense. Uh, and I can I tend to agree that, you know, there are, <clears throat> and maybe, I, maybe just because I was a little late to it this year, like in looking back at what people published in March and April, up until like about April 15th, you look at it and it's all of it is shaded with analysis and like people who their own opinion of a guy is this and he would fit on that team. Therefore I'm slotting him there. And then the next thing you know, like you have kind of created this perception that that's where he's going to go. That then gets trickled into copycats all across the draft sphere. Right. And and it's a, greatest example is probably Haskins, right? I mean, everybody looks yeah, at Haskins. They're like, Haskins is the second best quarterback in this draft. The Giants need a quarterback. Therefore, Haskins is going to the Giants at six. And then, lo and behold, Charles Robinson comes out over the weekend, and he's like, uh, there's a team that has Daniel Jones as their number one quarterback on their draft board, <laughs> and you all know who that team is. And it's like, the Giants. And so, basically, what? yes, the Giants are not going to take Haskins uh, as the sixth overall pick and the second quarterback off the board, if he's not even their top quarterback, there's no chance. <laughs> and so, like, immediately every draft that I see, that's the first pick I'm looking at to evaluate how good the mock draft is. Is what is who's the sixth? Haskins trash draft, right? Like that's that's kind of my been my default all day today. Uh, and you know there are, but you know you clearly see other guys out there who you know who kind of got wind of oh well they're not actually sold on Haskins uh, they're not actually not even sold on taking a quarterback in fact Dave Gellman couldn't have been more fucking plain about all of this he's like Eli Manning still has everything in the tank you can't find a Dave Gellman <laughs> he had a real good year. extremely transparent Dave Gellman <laughs> has been extremely transparent about the future of this franchise being in the hands of he's pretty Eli happy with his resume <laughs> yes. So the idea that they're going to run out and, and invest top 10 draft capital in a quarterback this year is, is kind of, it's tough to swallow. Um, so, you know, that that's, I think that's a good example and a good jumping off point for kind of, you know, talking a little bit more about quarterbacks in this draft. Um, safe to say we can't really do kind of a full on breakdown here unless we make a couple of, couple of assumptions and establish some priors here. So I think 
you know, from where I sit, I'm comfortable kind of operating under the under the assumption that the Cardinals were not being they were not being um, phony. They were not trying Coy. to set up a smoke screen. They were not trying to somehow cultivate, um, you know, some, you know, some sort of godfather offer for the number one overall pick. They really do like Kyler Murray. And they really are ready to move on from Josh Rosen. That seems pretty, uh, pretty straightforward to me. Um, I suspected that they were being a little bit honest about all of that in the hopes that, like, the Raiders um, might give up, you know, the entirety of their draft, including the fourth overall pick. And Cardinals could have still gotten a blue chip player, and then, you know, then then they would have been fine. But at this point, they've kind of burned the burned. You know, they burned this relationship with Rosen to the point where I can't even really see them kind of walking this back with him um and then you know so this 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 brings up two and you know i have two two key points or questions about this and i'll ask andy the first one uh do you buy into the fact that mayock and and gruden really wanted kyler murray and do you think they were behind a lot of the smoke you know a lot of the the leaks and and the, oh man murray was so bad in his meeting oh i this was the worst quarterback interview we've ever had like th- those stories were that casually was spinning uh, and you know just beating the drum so loud on that seemed pretty patently like someone who was trying to to de- depress the value like trying of too hard murray. yeah I'm trying too hard like like this was yeah, like, like a hail, like, yeah, you don't, a hail you don't mary say attempt. that stuff like yeah, yeah it's it's just like a weird thing to say, like like to come out and say something like that. It, it's, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's like going telling the person at the grocery store how bad your barber is. Like, <laughs> like why, why are you telling me this? Like, they they just they just the the quote they did the quotes felt funny, and honestly, like I can see Mayak being you know trying to be sneaky enough to pull some shit like that. <laughs> Nothing about the. Honestly, nothing about the Giants or the Raiders would ever surprise me with the front offices operating the way they are. I could sure. see that totally being a thing, and then just like the, the asking price finally being too much. Which what what does the asking price have to be for yeah. it to be too much for the Raiders of this day and age? <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I mean, you can ask for whatever you want. Yeah, the thing with the Raiders, and at least you know, I because it, it all all the puzzle pieces kind of fit together for a conspiracy-minded guy. They fit together that yeah, Mayock was talking to Casterly. They worked together at the NFL Network, and he was giving him all this yeah, bad no, right. bad news. And the idea is you would do that because Bidwell, who owns the Cardinals, is desperate to get energy in there for the franchise. He's desperate to get uh, you know season ticket sales are lagging because. It, that's just the way it is in the desert and they're the, you know, it's, they're the Cardinals, right. And they haven't been good for a couple of years and people are kind of giving up on them. Uh, and so, you know, you can, if you can kind of create this perception that the owner buys into and that the fans buy into that, Oh, Kyler Murray is actually not the savior one or number one overall pick. This is a mistake. Let's ride our guy that we've got last year. Then, yeah, then now you can kind of get for a cheaper asking price. You can trade up into one. And so it was like a Hail Mary move by Mayock because he's got connections to the NFL network still. Uh, and I think it was all for naught because I don't think that the Cardinals are trading out of that pick. I think they're really ready to go to war with, uh, with Kyler Murray, which begs the question for Joey Nish, the hell do they do with Rosen? Oh, and I mean, they, as you said, like if I think they're going to do, if they don't do it, it just blows up like all of the the slotting from there on in, like all of the 
the draft yeah. pricing and everything is based off of Murray going one because you've got heavy juice on both the two. And it, it just, if he doesn't, it just completely shatters um, basically every other forecast for the remaining slots because then you've got somebody absolutely going to come up at some point in that top five to come grab them and then who it is. And so, I mean, it could be absolute chaos if it is a one. Um, but I would agree that that though still the most likely scenario is he does go um, off to the cards. The Rosen thing is interesting. That, I think that really is the next domino for what the Giants do at six. Um, if they trade, let's say, Rosen to the Redskins, then if you're the Giants, you're not as fearful that the quarterback that you would want in the first round is going to go between that 10 and 16 of when you have the next pick. Um, I still think it would be like if you want a first round quarterback and you've got your guy identified to take the risk of passing on him at six to hope that he's going to be there at 17 doesn't, doesn't equate to me. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so I still think, you know, unless, unless the Giants trade for losing themselves, uh, that six is, is a pretty likely scenario um, for QB. But if you see, I mean, it's been a lot of work that they want to pass rusher. So if Josh Allen falls in their lap or at Oliver at six, do they, does that trump what a quarterback need is for them? Um, so it's, again, the, the first domino is that Murray and who do they trade Rosen to if they even trade them on draft night. And that has so many kind of basically domino impacts down the stretch of, of what that's going to mean for the rest of the first round. Yeah. Yeah. It kind, of, it kind of begs the question, what the fuck is the point of a mock draft? Like, <laughs> doing a mock draft pass. I mean, you should, I should, I should do a mock draft. Be like, well, I'm going to do it one through five because after that, who knows? I mean, did you see, uh, like, what was the as name soon of that? As, as soon as something, every year something happens. Something happens, and then the rest is just shit. But like, yeah, you tried. You named a lot of players that are probably going to go at some point in the first round. But, I mean, you're not even close at this point because, you know, Team X traded with Team Y, and, you know, this tackle went 10 spots higher, and now the whole thing's fucked. Yeah, so, I, yes. And I kind of I kind of laughed and did tongue-in-cheek. The guy, the guy that replaced Mayock at NFL Network, Chad Reuter, no freaking clue who this guy is. No idea if he's got any connections. Uh, but his mock draft and his top six is like a jig is, – is just one long what the fuck. Like he's got I a Raiders trade-up yeah. trade to two to take Locke. Bosa falls to the Jets at three. Daniel Jones goes yeah, why five. Not? <laughs> you know, the Giants who trade knows? up from the Giants trade up from six to five to take Daniel Jones, who, as far as I can tell, no one else in this draft actually wants, except the Redskins were smoke screening Daniel Jones to try to get the Giants to take him at six instead of waiting for seventeen. So I, you know, all this is so ridiculous. And like, and he went on and did seven round <laughs> mock. Like, if you're if, like, how is your attitude on one hand like? Ah, chaos is gonna screw all this up, so I'll just I'll just throw out something crazy and then carry it through all the way to seven rounds. Like, what are you doing, guy? Like, I could I just I couldn't help but. Oh my god! This but, <laughs> I, you know, I, I laugh yeah. at the one round box. The seven round box is like, I mean, just just name players that you think. Just make a list of players. Like it's yeah, dumb. Yes. Yeah, but okay. I mean, I can remember like as a as a fan, and you know, as my fandom has waned getting older and betting more. Yeah. Like yeah. I can remember looking at those and like clicking through like, man, who, who wow. did the Vikes take in the fourth? Well, who are we taking? Oh man. Oh, oh, oh yeah. I like him. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Running back from Bowling Green, huh? Are you getting excited? Kind of all, the, sneaky, all these Vikes connections move. to this uh, this NC State center. You're going to get the best center in the draft, man. Are you pretty fired up for that? I've seen oh, everyone. Yeah, we always that we draft center the center. Like, <laughs> we keep drafting centers. All right, sorry. I'm going to pull no, this back on topic real quick. I'm going I'm to pull this back on, on topic real quick and ask Joey to price something for me. Um, so there was a there was a, a, a you know one of these red herring scenarios. Uh, that was kind of kicked around today. It, it started yesterday with uh, Frisco, you know, being dumb about, oh, Kyler Murray might, might not go number one. That, to me, felt pretty transparently like trying to just stir up some interest in a draft that otherwise doesn't have a lot of interest, uh, just from a clicks standpoint. Um, and so I was pretty, you know, pretty willing to just wave that one by. Uh, then today, Rappaport this afternoon comes around and is going on NFL Network saying that there is legitimately something going on with the Raiders. And the reason that they sent all the scouts home is that they do have a big move planned uh, for the top in the top four. And they they were so concerned about it leaking that they had to send all these guys home and thereby straining relationships with all these scouts. Now that. To, on one hand, is just fine. Dysfunctional Raiders doesn't surprise me. But on the other hand, the only reason you would do that is if you do have a move like Chad Reuter predicted, where you're going to try to scoop up the two and take someone completely out of the blue, like Drew Lock. Like, how how do you price this scenario? Do you find that there is any viability in this? Is this like a less than five percent chance? Less than one percent chance? Does any of this add up? I mean, it it, it feels Raiders. Really- um, to do something that along the, the lines of absurdity. I will say if if it was just Gruden still basically running unchecked, I, I would be even a touch more concerned of something like that. I, I do think Mayak kind of basically brings a, a stability of of rationality um, to at least the organization <laughs> of them not like <laughs> trading their entire draft to, to go up to one. Um, it, it, it's it's hard to look, you know, when you say like big splash, like do they want Kyler Murray to go to Vegas and they're willing? It, it's just so hard to get off of. I mean, this year it, it's impossible to get off of Derek Carr's contract. He's got 27 mil still in debt money. So Derek Carr is going to be on your roster this year, basically no matter what. Um, so then, you know, what, what I, I guess it's a little subjective of what designates a big splash. And when you're trying to, trying to price something like that i mean could you do a small uh you know i now talk to a few people of doing like you know like a quarter unit like murray chaos base scenario card of where maybe you take um you know like a, a tenth of a unit and bet a couple of different long fades around you know murray going to a team x that's not the cardinals or murray you know a couple of sites had him like you know plus a thousand to not go number one um or just you could have built quite a you know a large return off of a very very small risk if you thought you know something like that that was was feasible um or if Oakland was in play and feasible um but actually you know trying to feel a little bit better around you know in terms of the Jets needs and the Bucks needs and even the Giants at six around where you know, you can nail it down to pretty much a player or two. You would feel right in those slots. Um, whereas Oakland, uh, the the roster, you know, number of spots is so barren with talent that they're they're just kind of a wild card. Not even organizationally, but just how many different directions they could go. Yeah, they got three picks. 
in round one. They can fill a lot of holes. And oh, by the way, like my prevailing prior heading into this draft is that quarterbacks are going to fall. Uh, and if they want a quarterback, they can probably get someone like Drew Locke or, uh, or Haskins on the cheap at the end of round one with one of their two picks that they accrued through some of their <coughs> shrewd uh, trades of Amari Cooper. And wheeling and dealing. <laughs> uh, so, you know, so I, I don't, I, I, you know, my, my, um, I would say there is a 90% chance, 80, 90% chance that the Rappaport story of the Raiders are going to do something splashy was born out of the scouts got sent home. They don't know what the fuck is going on. They told Rappaport something crazy is going to happen. And the next thing you know, you fabricated a story to run on NFL Network for, you know, Monday evening when otherwise we have absolutely nothing to talk about. Right. So, you know, I, I think that is more likely noise than, well, than that was, it was a misleading headline to begin with too like it said it, it's going to be a surprise to some it's, like, <laughs> it's going to be a surprise to their scouts well yeah it's going to be a surprise to their scouts because they sent their answers home like, like what a stupid thing to say yeah i don't know yes, yes. i just i do enjoy it, but i i thoroughly enjoy the any sort of dysfunction out of that. It's so funny how much they paid Gruden. Okay. I, honestly, I, I still think I still think Gruden's playing the long con and he's just goofing. Oh, yeah. like, he's like, yeah, I'm no, just gonna yeah. go. He's like no, there's no he's, there's he's like, no uh, pressure at all. He could be there's no pressure on Gruden. Gruden and Mayock have some of the lowest pressure filled situations going on at any NFL franchise besides Belichick. And even maybe less than Belichick, because God knows what you know, actual palace intrigue is going on at, in the Patriots headquarters. But, like, Gruden has got 10 years. Mayock just got hired. Like, these guys do not have to run out and make a big move to, you know, a franchise-defining move in their first couple of years here because they've got all the time in the world. And so I, I really think it's kind of the most likely outcome here is that they just take – best player available at all four pick all three picks uh and maybe if someone comes along and offers them a first round pick next year for one of these three picks then maybe they listen but i i don't think i don't think that there is a, a true surprise coming here um and i think we see kyler murray go one and then uh, nick bosa too it seems pretty clear that the 49ers are infatuated with bosa despite whatever his personal hiccups may be uh and uh you know whether or not he's you know, a, a game changing, uh, you know, edge rusher like his older brother, uh, you know, I think he goes too, uh, which leaves an enormous question mark for the Jets number three. And I think in the same kind of vein that Haskins was mocked to the Giants routinely six as best available to a position of need, I think we saw Josh Allen mocked to the Jets three a lot in March and April when that was best available position of need. And then in the last couple of days, it's been pretty clear reports trickling out that the jets actually have eyes for Ed Oliver or perhaps Quinton Williams, another defensive tackle that they want to get a player in the mold of an Aaron Donald. And I believe me, we need to take a deep breath and stop comparing Ed Oliver to Aaron Donald for a hot second. But, it does seem like that is sort of the prevailing Amazing. information that's going on now. Uh, you buy Ed Oliver to the Jets, uh, Joey? No, I think that, and I 100% agree with your, your first pick of where, whereas the Giants Haskins was kind of a, basically a, a group think this makes sense. Same thing with Allen um, to the Jets. It wasn't really, it was more of a, a 
proved consensus than it was actual any information from New York. Uh, so now as you start to actual stuff trickle out, I will give, I mean, one of my favorite, it's hard to nail down because the prices are so different and so all over the place at a bunch of different shops. But one, I'm talking to a couple people today, Allen over three and a half was still reasonably priced at some shop. Um, and I told a number of people that that still had reasonable juice on that, that that would be a play for me. Uh, I mean, I personally got it the, the other day, um, through a guy I know that was able to get down at a nice price, but over three and a half, I, I think the only scenario where you're seeing Allen at three is if you can convince the Bucks to move up from five. And that was one that, that Raps mentioned on his, um, pod today is that if Allen's going to go three, I think it has to be a Tampa trade-up. The Jets have been so confident about trying to trade back. You get a little something from Tampa, they move back to five, Tampa takes Allen, just get Oliver at five. Um, but then there's you know, a lot of Raiders smoking Oliver, so do they want to take that risk? Oliver's really the guy they want? Yeah, so great, great point. I think there's a ton of demand for that third pick. Um, so it's really going to depend on how how little they're willing to take for it and then how many spots they're going to jump back and see if they can still do the job they want. But, yeah, I, I put it out there today. I think if the Jets remain there, it's Oliver Williams almost guaranteed. Yeah, okay. Well, we're on the same page with this. Andy, well, that, yeah, the, the point about the, the, group, the group thinking shit, like the how much of this stuff is – just people giving opinions, like Joey said, not actually coming from New York. I think so much we read going into this draft is just this guy fits good here. This guy would look good in green. You know, all all those cliches. You see that, and like that is one hundred and fifty percent not. You know, it's not going to be very predictive since it's not actually information. It's a it's a writer's opinion about well, let me you know, ask who you should go where. I mean, we, we can you. we can sit and do that. Let me ask you, know, you something more you, specific. I, I think this is the right pick. Let me ask you something more specific though, because I'm sure you saw and read this, and this quote was recirculated by 50 different people. Uh, Greg Williams coached a player like Aaron Donald at the Rams when he was the defensive coordinator there. And he feels like Ed Oliver is of the air of the Aaron Donald mold. And that's why they like Aaron Donald at three. Like that is such a very specific, like logic. Does that give it more credibility that being that it's that nailed down as opposed to just group think like, you know what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. It's a tangible piece of information that makes a connection. And um, also, and I'll say he's a lot of people. He's a huge D bag on Twitter, but Greg Gabriel, who actually <laughs> you know is a long term NFL scout, has the same vein as they have. You know, a lot of these old NFL people have connections, so that sure. adds, even though they might not be as well liked or even as popular as some of the the draft Twitter draft guys or draft sites, um, he, he still means something. Um, he still has NFL connects, and he basically said something of a, a similar vein in terms of the Jets liking Oliver a lot. So, I, I dig this. Okay, so let's then slot uh, let's slot Oliver to the Jets. Let's give the Raiders the best available um, defensive talent on the board, which I think is unquestionably Quinnen Williams. That, that's yeah. the thing about the trade. I mean, do, do you go back to that? Tampa trade, like 
I guess I'm not an NFL scout, and it's so hard to be, you know, predicting which one of these guys is going to have an NFL career. Obviously, there's busts every year, but do you think Tampa is really – what's the asking price for the Jets to trade out of that spot when there's other good edge rushers? There's other great defenders. Like, I don't know if the Tampa move is like – plus EV move for them as far as, I mean, it would depend what the asking price was, but man, it's, I hate to see that when, when teams jump up one, two, three spots just to get someone specific when, man, you don't know, you don't, it's such a crap shoot. Like it's how the Patriots do things. The drafts a crap shoot trade for known players. It's, it's especially, I I don't think Tampa should. It's especially troublesome because it's not obvious that Tampa wants Josh Allen. <laughs> like <laughs> the Tampa kind of doesn't really need D line. They need linebacker help like desperately. They need secondary help desperately. There's not a game changing secondary piece in this draft like Derwin James, who they passed on last year. Uh, and so here they are stuck, you know, kind of taking the best linebacker. Yeah, Tampa should trade five. back. Tampa should, should trade back and take the they Washington. Be, they should be yeah. looking. They should not be considering trading up to three. That that whole move makes. Super little sense to me. So um, I'll I'll see the floor to Joey then. What did the Giants do with the sixth pick? Let's say that Devin White, best linebacker on the board, goes to Tampa at five. Giants now. What is their decision making? I mean, this is this is kind of like what would be the you know if it plays out one through five of <laughs> the apex of the draft uncertainty. It's kind of here in New York. It's either I I fully believe that all the Jones stuff. He had the connection to the Giants for months, the same agent, the cut slip connection, where if they're going to go QB, um, I think it's going to be Jones. Or at that point, they trade away Olivia Vernon. Is Josh Allen just too good to pass up? And then you address QB at 17. So, and I'll tell you, there's some prices out there. You can still get Josh Allen to the Giants at a pretty big number. Um <laughs> and then has a, a little bit of that with, with Jones um, to the Giants. I think it, it's got to be, you know, the, the top five plays out as we stated that it's got to be one of those two going here at six. Mm. Andy, you on board with Josh Allen to the Giants? Can we just make Josh Allen Giants right. jerseys? Yeah, yeah. seven to one. This. I love this. Two Josh Allens in New York, New York now, and uh, wearing blue. I love it. I love it. Um, okay. So, uh, first, actually, second offensive player off the board with the Jaguars in seven, we think. They clearly, yeah, yeah clearly, clearly in the market for someone uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I think mean, this is where you're either going to get the best offensive tackle who they deem to be, and that's a little bit questionable around who some teams have, have a different OT up top. Uh, you know, mostly Juwan Taylor is kind of the guy he's chalk right now in most places, or maybe you see a Hawkinson. Um, if they want to actually take a weapon, I, it's, it's too early for uh, any of the wide receivers in this class, but I think really it's got to be offensive tackle or Hawkinson. Yeah, and you would think with the investment they made in, I say the investment, this is like old school Coughlin think, right? Like we just <laughs> made an investment yeah. in our quarterback in Nick Foles. We need to protect him with the best offensive tackle on the board. And so, yeah, they're going to take somebody like uh, Juwan Taylor, whoever they think is the best, whoever that is, doesn't really matter to me. Um, That's probably, it's probably the right pick. Probably is. And uh, that brings us to the Detroit Lions. Who uh, are they going to make it? Uh, are they going to get a pick oh. in? Because uh, <laughs> this is high uncertainty <laughs> for me. I've seen this mocked 
from guys that I didn't know were football players to guys that I know well, and I was like, oh, it sounds like a good fit. Uh, there's great Michigan talent. They keep a lo- keep a local kid, try to energize the fans, bring a Michigan guy in. Like, like what's what's the what's the move here if you're the Giants front office and and you have the best available of of a, of a pretty decent defensive class. I mean, if Josh Allen, for some reason, got the I say was legitimately run to the podium um, and take him <laughs> off the board, if he, he's off, I think this is where the Lions will be the first thing. Basically, do. this is a trade spot that you could definitely see, and I think they would take it back. I think they would even be okay going back a decent ways, um, depending on the package uh, of where I think a couple of the big needs will be in the secondary. Like, they'd want a corner, but it's really too early to take most of the corners. So they'd be okay going back um, and taking something. If they're going to remain there, I don't – see, the last Jeremiah had him going off into guard. I, I don't see – they've invested so much in the whole line over the last, last few years that I couldn't see another top ten pick going off into the line. Um, in the top ten I did today, I had Brian Burns. Um, is it that the organization's super risk averse with character? He's a character guy. He's an edge rusher in a position of need, but I wouldn't say I felt great about that. Um, before all the Montez Sweat stuff came out, uh, this is kind of a, a common spot where you saw Sweat mock. Um, but now, since he's fallen down most boards, that that it's probably a huge spot of uncertainty. Neither of the two, uh, potentially, neither of the two top Michigan defensive players make sense for this uh, organization, you think? I, I don't – I think it's – Gary it's or Bush? Too early for, for Gary. I, I think some of the – He's – I think he's more of a, you know, an early teens guy. Well, I, I, he's, he's a little too – though they drafted Jared Davis um, a couple years ago as kind of the center of the cap of that defense. I think Bush is just a touch too – a touch too similar to that. I don't think he wasn't, um, you know, phenomenal in coverage. And so you're, you're kind of putting then two guys on the field that, that are just a touch too similar. Um, I see. I, I can't see it with, you know, I love Bush. And I mean, he's you know, nine or 10. I could a hundred percent see it to the lions at eight. I, I just, I think he's a, a little bit too similar to uh, who they already have on the roster. How about if uh, one of the these? How about if the premier tight end is still available? Hawkinson doesn't make sense. The, the defense is too much of a position of need. I mean, every Lions fan has PTSD from the last time they took a tight end. So I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, Hawkinson's gonna look. Hawkinson's gonna look great in the AFC. Yeah, Hawkinson's gonna be great in the AFC South. Look good in Indianapolis. It'll be amazing. Yeah, it'll be amazing. Yeah, and then he turns into uh, you know like a forty catch guy who can't run, and he was actually the Iowa tight end that we all thought he you know could have been. So uh, it's possible, yes, because the Lions tight end position is brutal. Um, but I I think it's either a defensive lineman or a trade back. Okay, trade back makes a ton of sense. Uh, trade back and take fan. Yeah, yeah, the trade. The trade is where trade back and take the best cornerback. And then you take you take your tight end later. Yeah. Yeah. Problem is, problem is, like, if if we go through the first round and we get to like pick thirty before there's a trade, I'm not going to be floored because I I just don't see 
like a love love type of situation and i know i'm being naive because like who in the hell would have guessed that the saints were going to trade up you're to way take, naive there'll like, be five the, you know the Saint, saints there will be traded up five trade. traded up to take davenport marcus davenport was that who they traded up to last year it was something totally ridiculous yeah. like teams do stupid stuff when they fall in love with players on day one of the draft but uh, like I just don't see you know what the, class you know what warranting. the Lions will Give do the assets. They yeah the Lions spit in the they'll trade back and then spit in the face of Michigan and take Haskins oh. and then trade him on draft day somehow. <laughs> oh my god, I would I'd pay to see that. They'd have to get a live shot of like a bar in downtown Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> or Ann Arbor, uh, for that matter. Jesus Christ. Haskins did do pretty no, well. They should trade the, back uh, and take against it against the Wolverines. That was a pretty good performance from Haskins. Um, okay, let's uh, let's keep cruising down the first round here. Um, I don't really care about what the Bills do. I'm guessing they take some linemen, but they could go in a lot of different directions. It could take a tight end. I don't think it really changes Hawkinson anything. About the yeah, we're at Hawkinson. the point. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. How about uh, how about we're at the point in the draft where who knows if this is even the team yeah. that's picking exactly. the exactly. So let's pivot from let's pivot from going top to bottom and talk about quarterback uh, quarterback um, market overall. We've gotten now to nine in this little spitballing mock and only quarterback off the board that I can realistically see here is Murray. And granted this is all predicated on the quarterbacks after Murray or even including Murray are not as great as what we just saw last year. And actually, if you look back two years, we had Watson and Mahomes and, you know, Trubisky, and, you know, then the, and last year, four guys that a lot of people were fired up about, you know, five, if you include Lamar, you know, um, uh, the Ravens quarterback, Lamar, uh, but, you know, J- Jackson, any, anyway, the, um, uh, the idea that there still is no second quarterback off the board, potentially through 10 picks through nine picks is intriguing because now we sit here where quarterbacks are in a free fall. People are looking around like, Oh, I thought Haskins was the top 10 pick. I guess he's not uh, like, Oh, Jones or uh, you know, or block like all of these guys, like there's really no rush to trade up and grab these guys. Uh, if you're a team like the giants, you had a second pick coming up. If you're a team like the Raiders, you got a second pick coming up. Uh, the Broncos. Do you want to talk about the price? The over three and a half quarterbacks price. No, no, opened I, pretty no, reasonable I, 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 and is now specific prop. I it's there's, now out of control. There's a specific. Okay, prop go I ahead with yours, help, but I will say, like capital. the over three and a half has gotten steamed to to beat the band. Well, and I do think, and I think, I actually think that's going to be a sweat because I think Haskins is going to is really. I don't find I don't see a suitor for Haskins. I don't see an obvious um, team that is just willing to you know, go ham to trade up for him. Or if he falls, that there's going to be a team, a partner to take him. Uh, And I look at the Broncos at 10, and this is kind of a pick that I have unfortunately tied up a lot of bankroll in trying to estimate what happens here. And it's probably stupid because it really, what the, what, what Gettleman, the two worst GMs in the whole freaking league, Gettleman and, and Elway, like they could ruin my my Thursday, uh, depending on what they do. And I and I say this because there's smoke that Elway likes Locke. Um, Locke, I felt like when they opened when they draft when the draft props finally popped, 
I was like so watered to bed, and I was just all over the place. I was like, Drew Locke's not going to be the second quarterback taken in this draft. This is ridiculously priced at like minus 300, <laughs> right? Or like, Drew Locke's not going in the top 10. No freaking way can, you know, is there going to be a, a rush for quarterbacks? Is, the, and I'll be waiting for this 10th pick. Uh, and how do you, yeah, I guess really like, how do you handicap? what the Broncos do if they're a 10 and there is no other quarterback taken. Have you heard the same sort of smoke that Elway is in in love with Locke and that he needs to take a quarterback? Uh, And, you know, if the Broncos whiff here, how does that, I mean, not whiff, but if they don't take a quarterback in this spot, then how far do these guys fall, Joey? No, I I feel like that. It was such a, you know, a long-standing connection um, between the Broncos and Locke that uh, I'm, I'm not going to say there was nothing to it um, that I think they like him. It, it would surprise me at 10 with a quarterback already in place if they went that high. Talking to one of the guys I cap draft, um, the scenario that makes more sense, it, at least nationally, is if they went you know, best player available at 10. And then if they wanted them, did a trade back into the first round type of deal. Um, And I I think the Schumper draft guys have kind of had luck, you know, falling to that end of the first round range where you get a team that, that already has a key in place to take them, or you've got a team that would, you know, early second that, you know, passed over to took the player early, then came back in for lock. That has more of a, a, a realistic feel to me than, that him go, it, it's been just tough to tie him to any, there hasn't been that much of like this team's really in, you know, stuff with the Giants. Um, I think the Redskins have, have Haskins connections on a different level. Outside of the Broncos, you know, and in cursory interest in Locke, it's just hard to place them. It's hard to even attack you know, outside of just the common thought of going early, I don't know one to 15 where he would really fit in. Yeah, same. And I think the lock to the Broncos all trickled from like one drunk John Elway comment. Like literally like he was with some reporter at the combine wasted and was like, oh, wow, this lock kid looks freaking awesome. You know, or like at the senior bowl or something like that. And like that, yeah. that one, one, that one quote, has kind of you know trickled into every mock draft since, and you know it makes sense in a world where the this quarterback class is good and there is some demand in the top ten for quarterbacks. But I don't think that that's the world we live in, and I think that uh, the exact scenario you laid out is what I'm expecting for Locke. If the Broncos really do have eyes for him, they trade back in at like thirty. Uh, the Packers yep. give up their second pick in the draft, or something like that, and and give the give the Raiders, even give the Broncos a crack at lock at, at like the bottom of the first round. Um, and you know, I you know I think the fact that the Dolphins clearly are positioning themselves for 2020 takes them out of the yep. quarterback market. Uh, I think the Bengals uh, want to ride out Andy Dalton this year without bringing in an arm to really put pressure on him and really kind of you know kind of overturn the apple card uh, with a first round arm uh, and um, that leaves the Redskins the Redskins and the Giants and yeah okay we get down to the Redskins at 15 or whatever they can take a quarterback sure 
Uh, I don't know that how much how how they really feel about Haskins. I haven't heard any true, you know, legitimate uh, buzz that they worked him out and that they were all that impressed with him. Uh, and then you know potentially you could get down to seventeen with the Giants before you see your second quarterback go, and it could be Daniel Jones. So you know it's and then at that yeah. point, who, and it's then just... at that point, who the hell knows what happens to, <laughs> yeah. to Haskins? He there's there's a good quarterback in the SEC. And there's yeah, there's a good SEC quarterback and there's a good ACC quarterback, but it's next year. <laughs> like taking <laughs> taking Jones and Locke is yeah. Oh, imagine doing you know taking Jones and Locke instead is of the good uh, ACC quarterback you know, even available oh next God. year, or is he got two more years? Yeah, no, it's two more. Oh, shit, he might be two. Uh, yeah, that's two more years. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, he's like he's like fourteen years old. It'll be a great pick for Mayock and Mayock and uh, and and uh, Gruden will finally get their guy when they're at the top of the board. In <laughs> um, all right. Well, okay. So it, it's I don't know. We kind of need a dissenting opinion here, but uh, I do like. Uh, I mean, I like the, the the prop that really sung to me was Haskins over ten and a half. Uh, at like plus 125 over the weekend. I bet that. Um, I know it's since drifted to like in the minus range, but it was still available for a relatively decent price today. Gil Alexander is tweeting about Haskins overs right now, so that price is long gone. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, I think, it, you know, it, I guess, do we live in a world where it's a 50-50 proposition that Haskins goes in the top 10 versus the, you know, the bottom 10 of round one? No, I think you're right. I mean, it's tough. You know, if we move him past the Giants, um, then he's he's basically without a trade up already into that range. Uh, you, you don't see the Broncos taking it. I mean, we thought it's not going to take a quarterback, and so then you're already past ten right there. So, um, I, I mean, if I, I play, I put some money myself uh, on hats the Redskins. I think that's the. I don't buy that the Bengals are going to. I think that's kind of a, basically another common thought type deal. Like we need a place to slot them and. Moving him back that far doesn't feel right, so people thought things were going to take him. Um, I think either the Redskins move up a couple, couple spots, uh, the Broncos or Cynthia grab him, or they just wait there at 15, and then if they don't make a trade for Rosen, um, I think that's where it is. This happens at 15. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, You brought up the, the Rosen trade thing. Um, and this is, again, complete personal opinion. This is not information-based. I just we're at the point now where it's too late to trade a 2019 first round pick for Rosen, in my opinion, which means the best offer you're going to get between now and you know after you know and the end of the draft is going to be a maybe a 2019 second rounder. But more reasonably, I think the package you're probably going to be offered is going to be like a 2020, yeah, 2020 second rounder plus a 2019 fourth rounder or something like that. And if that package materializes and if the the Cardinals pull the trigger on that package, my guess is it's going to be after day one. You'll see how the chips fall. Guys, you know, the the it didn't work out. The this team didn't get the quarterback that they had kind of secretly had their eye on or whatever. So this team is pulling the trigger on a Rosen trade. Um, I I don't know. Patriots yeah, with with the leverage that they've lost already. Yeah, well, they they've lost so much short leverage in this trade. Like, I don't think the you know there was a thought process. Well, like, well they 
they have to trade Rosen to draft to draft a quarterback number one. I mean, I think they're they're at where they're at, and you could absolutely just keep Rosen on the roster, maybe even partway through the summer, and work on something, and and still just you know go go uh, Murray. Like uh, yeah. the, with the leverage, they you're not losing any leverage. I don't think it makes like your your positioning and, and making a trade any worse than they already have. Like it's way too late, like you just said. So might as well just take the quarterback you want and you know see what pickings you can get for Rosen later on, or maybe like you said, day two. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of yeah. a lot of picks left out there, and you can get some twenty twenty picks. The last uh, the last kind of nugget that really kind of fueled me on on maybe my favorite look of the draft being Haskins over props um, was him tweeting about having a chip on his shoulder. So that to me is classic. Like his agent had to sit down with him and was like, hey, you know, before you go into this draft on Thursday, before you're there watching yourself fall down the board, just you just you got to know it's coming. Right. Like his agent definitely prepped him for this. And that's why he tweeted that, I think. And so I think kind of all the stars are really aligning for this for Haskins fall. And I mean, I can't tell I can't tell you if this is worthy or not. I can't tell you if he'll go on to be a great pro. Um, I know absolutely nothing about the guy's potential as far as a you know prospect in the NFL. But um, but just everything does kind of feel like it's lining up for this with him not having a suitor and uh, and with, uh, you know, potentially with him being informed of how this is going to go down. So with that, let's talk about some of the other fun ones. <laughs> Poor Haskins. It's going to have a long day. Um, but anyway, uh, don't lose to Purdue. Oh, I hope he has uh, Aaron Rodgers day. <laughs> uh, it's got, it kind of has that feel. It really does. Um, <clears throat> so uh, oh, yeah. after you, after you get out of the top 10, there's an awful lot of not consensus about who goes where. So at this point, is it fair to say, Joey, at this point, you kind of just have to go by what you think the best guys' big boards are. You have to kind of read through, uh, you know, the analysis and get a feel for, oh, this guy's getting slotted to this because someone knows or just because that's intuition. Like, you know, like how do you go about the bottom 20 picks in this draft in terms of figuring out likely, um, you know, likely fit for teams? Like, like how do we handicap, for instance, um, DK Metcalf? Uh, draft slot. No, that makes sense. I think if you look in, you know, some of the, the best guys, if you go back like a few years and just look at where they were, a lot of times they'll have the chunk of players in a certain range relatively correct. It, it's the exact slotting, especially because, you know, you'll get a few trades here and there where a team moves up a couple slots. The slotting is extremely difficult. It's really Having the you know the top twenty guys in the, you know the top thirty in that range is is doable for a lot of um, you know what we call the sharper mock drafts. For the Metcalf, I mean that's one where you saw after the combine that you know some of the numbers like the first numbers that got posted of like over under nine and a half were, were just insane, and he's like you know, minus five hundred to be the first wide receiver. Then as, as you get closer, um, I, I think the thing about this wide receiver class, uh, I tweeted about this a little bit, is, is that separation between the top guy and receivers five and six really isn't there. So you're probably going to see a receiver run, you know, between 25, 30 and pick 70 of eight receivers that go. Um, but it kind of makes it, why would you take 
when you're a team that's picking in that 9 to 15 range that also has another pick between 30 and 45, which is kind of the wide receiver sweet spot, why would you take a receiver there unless you're absolutely you know, in love and locked on with Metcalf that you have to have him, which I, at least cursory information, we haven't heard of that. Um, you know, so that's one where I think the, at least the early period, I mean, it's mostly long gone now, but there was a lot of value uh, on fading original Metcalf under after the combine. Um, so now you kind of look at what's a realistic range for him, and it's probably – you know, at earliest Carolina, and I think that's left a little bit early. I think early is probably not as realistic as Tennessee at 19. Um, and he probably goes between, you know, in that 19 to 30 range. Ooh, man, do you see a potential suitor there, or just kind of that's where about you you run into teams that need a wide receiver and there's potentially, you know, he's got the raw talent, obviously that puts him at number one on everybody's big board as far as wide receivers go. So you just get down there and you, now you get to like, uh, who are some teams like the Ravens and the, you know, yeah, the, Ravens is a the, common fit. They need a guy to take the top off the defense. That makes sense. Then I want, um, you know, a little better at the wide receiver position, um, even go a little farther. And then, you know, that's where, it's for like the over two and number of people asking about the the wide receivers prop today, the two and a half number that that was around most places. The issue is you get, you know, you're probably going to have two getting into this last four picks, and, and you know, basically be you know, sweating it out where you've got Chiefs, Packers, Rams, Pats, who all could theoretically use a wide receiver. Um, so that's where you know people ask me like, hey, what what are you going to do with that, or what does that slotting make sense? I think you're just, that's one where the the number's just right for me because you're going to be – it's going to come down to that last range of, you know, the probability of – do you hit three? Well, you've got three, four teams right here that could take one. So, you know, it's in that, like, flip realm of DK and Hollywood probably go, you know, 19 uh, to 28 and then 29, 30, 31, 32. One of those teams decide to take that next guy instead of waiting for the second round. Mm. <clears throat> I dig this. Uh, any chance the Chiefs try to replace uh, try to replace Tyreek Hill with the guy like AJ Brown or Marquise Brown? Hollywood, Brown. You know, Hollywood was one that uh, that you know. I I don't think he's. I don't think he. I'll tell you this, Jeremiah. Doesn't usually you know, he's not on the, the hot take room or any of that kind of stuff. Has been so consistently bullish about Hollywood going round one that the, the, the theory, and I don't have any information, the theory was um, that he got word that some team basically gave him a first-round guarantee or told Jeremiah that if he's there, we're taking him. Uh, he's been so basically so outward about he's going round one, um, which was weird. I mean, a couple of the guys that you know, have kept track of, like, you know, he's, 160, 170 pounds, had a serious Liz Frank injury. It doesn't make that much sense on the surface. Um, but when you've got, you know, one of the top three golfers in the business basically coming out and saying, I know he's going round one, then you, you basically have to put him in there at some point. Yeah. No, that, that 100% jabs. Um, does he have any specific team connections that you know about? Like the Eagles? Or the Chiefs? 
Yeah, <laughs> so those are two teams that yeah. I think are going to take a wide receiver, period. And if he was I there, agree. that would make sense. And those are two offenses that that just make a lot of sense for him. I think, you know, from a schematic standpoint, it's kind of like the last uh, team he was in in Oklahoma. <laughs> it's, you know, wide yeah. open and play a lot of base. Yeah. It's, just, it's more of a, a great fit for him as well as Metcalf. Uh, I think he can kind of, you know, the Ravens where you're looking for more of a play-action deep threat, that, that's a little bit more sense um, just in terms of team fit. I mean, I'm trying to read too much into, you know, because you can really get yourself caught up in the weeds there. Um, but, yes, absolutely. Eagles at 25, Colts at 26, um, Chiefs at 29, you know, three spots that if he's going to go, those are probably three of the realistic destinations. Yeah. How do you handicap overall uh, wide that's where, receivers? That's where it does get in the weeds there, the, the team fits. You get but team those three, fits uh, those late three in the first teams, round. No, you can, I feel yeah, like I mean, no, I mean, those are good those teams, teams come fit, away with wide but if you start going to team fits like that, yeah. uh, I think one of those teams do. doesn't make that pick in the first round. That's possible. I mean, yeah, they will, possible. but not not in the first round. I, I think one of those one of those picks gets traded back. But I mean, yeah, you start looking at team fits late, late in the first round, then you can start making a lot of puzzle pieces fit, no matter if they do or not. Like it, yeah, it is yeah, easy to start picturing. Like that's what makes it so tricky once you get into the twenties. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how many? Yeah, so how many wide receivers overall do you think we see go off the board on Thursday? Is this again? Is this a good prop to try to attack? I'm gonna. I going to my head. I'm gonna say two. I, what I told people is, it was it was for today. It was one of the most arguable numbers out there. You had apps that were trading, you know, a heavy juice to two and a half up to you know minus one seventy, minus one eighty, minus and then some places that were closer to even minus one twenty. So it, it wasn't one that I really thought was worth uh, the gamble on going either way, or you had a edge on, but it was one that, you know, if you got a number of outs, actually had a, a deep part. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Um, anyone going to take uh, Jacobs running back in the first round? I got, an, I got an over. I got an over that I'm sitting on from him that I'm pretty excited about that uh, I'd be really disappointed if some uh, if some team goes running back first, first round. And I, the issue is you've got and I don't know if this is his agent doing a real nice job with the cell or one team leaking it, um, but you thought that Rome is 23, 24, 25, 26, and 27 again with the Raiders, that teams that could only use a running back. Um, you've got Houston in the mix, Oakland in the mix, Philly in the mix, even the Colts in the mix. Does one of those teams get spooked or just overdrafted? You know, because the Raiders – Instead of waiting until 27 or, you know, the early second round, do they say, well, these three teams could also take him. Do I just grab him if I really want him? So, I, I don't. Ra- Raiders so in four. To- <laughs> <laughs> that's the surprise? That would, that, would make, surprise? that would make. That would make my day. Like, I'd feel bad you lost your bet, but you lost it so badly and comically, you even have to laugh. <laughs> I would laugh. I would laugh. I would laugh. There were I know there were people out there who had like Rashad Penny bets last year who were like oh, absolutely floored. Floored when uh Seattle took him like what twentieth or something insane? Yeah. Um yeah, I, I think I had a running back thunder. 
That, was, that definitely went up running in running back under. There was a lot of money on second running because everybody had Barkley first, so there was a ton of second running back taken props. Oh, and yeah. you had, like, you know, most of those, yes. like, four or five guys before Penny was even listed. Nobody Juice. had him going first round. So yeah, Goose. What was, that guy, that was the guy's name? The guy yeah. that I think I had some, I had some in the preseason of the Redskins? Geis. Oh, Darius Geis. Geis. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. I think I had some Geis second. Some, yeah, yeah. some way penny penny dicked me I, I know that was that was like it was and it was like five picks sooner than i was even sweating i'm like oh well i wasn't even worried yet like well what is this and, <laughs> uh, I, and it's funny like i made more fun of <clears throat> trading up for a punter later but like the the penny pick was way worse than taking a punter in like the fourth yeah especially because like, the punter turned them, out to be a good pick them, it forced the seahawks a great punter him. The, the, like when you make a bad pick like that, you doubly screw your team because now you have to feature him, or else you look like you know you're you, as the GM. You look stupid for having made the bad pick, so you have to try to justify it. This stuff is all so freaking you know, it's, it's all it's all it's all trickles into the the you know unintended consequences realm. But anyway, so the offensive players, I think we've covered fairly well. Defensive players, I think, as well, other than one I'm interested in your opinion on. Who is the first cornerback taken in this draft? Because Bookmaker, one of the uh, one of the few offshore shops that gives you a full swing at plus 250 on these draft props, uh, has Greedy <laughs> Williams at about plus 144, which is surprising to me because I feel like there's a lot more uncertainty. I've seen a lot of teams linked to this kid from Washington, Bryant. I've seen a lot of people that I know and respect say that the kid from Georgia, DeAndre Baker, is the best of them. Like, um, is it worth taking a swing on one of these longer shots to be the first defensive back drafted? Now, that's funny, right? Because right before we got on the phone, I had uh, a guy getting down a, a bet for me on a couple of, um, you know, some not widely available sites of best corner or first corner and first safety. Um, so I had it might have been sprinkling a couple of times. Um, <laughs> and what I would call a feed um, at a couple of shops. Uh, I think that's one there that, you know, if you've got those out, that there's a lot of opportunity. Uh, I took, it was a while ago, I took Field as a bookmaker on that first DB prop uh, when it was in the plus 400. Um, nice. And took a little piece of mercy. So that, that's one I think it, it's going to be, I, I think you see the range of. Between when the first corner. Who was who was the second one you took there? Murphy you said Byron Murphy uh, little, from Washington. Yeah, piece of Murphy. Murphy, and a piece you of took field Mur- there. Murphy. Yeah. Yep. Who's the field yeah, guy? Is that the kid from Temple with the funny name? That's yeah, the Rocky Asin. Uh, it catches some, <laughs> and that that would have been the guy that I was throwing down at large I've prices seen here in the last of, couple seen, hours. I've seen way too much smoke from of him to Pittsburgh for that to be coincident. And Pittsburgh yeah, picks like and, twenty. They pick they pick like twenty. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's listen, when you're getting, you know, depending on the price you're getting that at, um, at when it, when you have the chalk guy and you start, you use your turn some stuff, he's sliding. That, that's when it's, you know, just fire off a couple of quarter units on some longer shot guys um, and see if you can nail one. And that's really that's what kind of the last, before we got on the phone, was my car getting built a little bit in that realm. Um, but that's where, yeah, I think, that there's a, some value fading Williams, um, and depending how you know what action you got or what what numbers that that it might be it might be a spot. I think Murphy's probably I, I would say, you know, if I'm capping it, would be just a hair favored in in terms of the chalk. But it, it's going to depend on 
team fit and really a, a little bit of variance there around you know between that 20 to 30 range of, of who actually decides to take one and the guy that they want so I like it. Uh, okay, that, that, that's all I got really for, for draft, but I, I got a bunch of funny questions for you. Um, uh, any other substantive stuff you wanted to hit, Andy, before we go to the funny stuff? No, I think, I mean, I, I like that we touched on the DB thing. I'm wondering where you got that down because I, I wouldn't mind having some Book, Murphy. Bookmaker, Bookmaker has Murphy first. at 250 Bookmaker and has that? at like 380. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, check that out. All right, fair enough. There we go. Um, anyway, uh, so I'll ask a fun question of all of the prop bets you've made for this NFL draft. What is the one that if it got voided tomorrow and you've checked your queue and you're like, they, you know, some, some scummy book did something and they voided it. What was, what would be the one that you would just absolutely melt over the most? Like, like you wouldn't even win. You would just fly. There goes the arbitrage. These mother, I mean, like what, like what's the one prop in, in hand that you're just like, you know, like, uh, like, you know, would be the, the, the most painful to lose. Well, there's some rumors out there that I've had a few, you know, meltdowns of books trying to come over the boys <laughs> in the past. And, uh, I'm not saying it's happened, but <laughs> maybe once or twice. Um, <laughs> and that's one thing I don't take particularly well. Um, if I ha- I was able to catch when Rap Sheet had the tweet about uh, Daryl Henderson starting to meet with uh, a number of teams at the, the end of the first and the top of the second round, got some really really large prices on henderson to go either first or second running back overall um and that would be one where it would be you know such a a large hit that that it would you know it would want a level of um you know rationality in terms of the response so that, that would be it's tough it's yeah, i mean a lot of these places aren't letting you get down enough to you know to, to make it to really you know mind, an all-time yeah, sure. meltdown but sure, that's sure, sure. one that uh, was able to get down pretty rich. Um, that would pay out very, very nice. So hopefully, uh, a hopefully it happens, and b hopefully you get paid. Okay, so what's what's the prop that you have in in your queue that's still widely available where you just utterly obliterated the price? Like you got it for like plus one hundred, plus two hundred, and now it's like minus five hundred. <laughs> so I know there's a couple of those. Oh, uh, there's. I mean, one that from a couple of days ago that I tweeted out was in all the sweat stuff dropped. Uh, bookmaker still had sweat uh, over under seven and a half, and it was you know when I first caught it, it was I think three, minus three fifty, uh, and then I added some in minus four hundred, added a lot of minus four hundred, um, and then had a few people that I work with that that might have added a lot, a lot um, until they pulled it up. <laughs> um, and so that's what I just you can't and you can't you can't. It was like, um, I mean, we talked about it last, McGlinchey, you know, the Notre Dame offensive lineman going yeah, to that where books on, and even oh. though you were having to pay, you know, minus Over 400, minus 600, games. minus 800. Didn't matter. One of those yeah. where right now, is there a plausible scenario I see that that sweat can go top seven? It, it just seems, you know, 98%, 99%. Anything can happen, something's going to trade up, but, you know, that was one that, Probably should have been after that news broke, like minus a thousand or higher, um, and it it got hit pretty hard. Sure, that's so great though. Yeah, just keep your head on a swivel for Dave Gettleman. He's he, he is he, Gettleman. I know. Right? 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 Right?
<laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, what's one, what's a prop that you played that you lost value on that you're still like shaking your head about? Like how, what in the hell? This doesn't make any sense. How is this possible? Uh, very, very, very early on, uh, with Murray over two and a half, uh, rest position. Uh, oh, when it was like the first, yeah. first, first draft props broke before a lot of the Kingsbury team and the Cardinal, and just logically, it has never happened, you know, in the history of recent draft where a team traded up and took a top 10 quarterback and then took another one the next year with the same front office in place. So, and that was one where logically, you know, when at first I was like, I can see him going first round, you know, first top 10 even. Um, I did not think the Cardinals would would entertain that originally um, top one. Uh, but, at, you know, at this point, you take a shot early and uh, take the L on it and said at that point I'd pay to be wrong, and I'm probably going to be wrong. But, you know, when you're playing them super early before a lot of the – the more finite details come out and the buzz comes out that that's the risk you take. Sometimes you get great value and this one. I'll probably get burned on. Well, it's funny. It's funny how far we've come on that whole situation. What's the, I don't know the guy's I name. Bovada. I follow his this stuff. Is- yeah, that yeah, franchise. Well, that, yeah. well, what's his name? Franchise. Franchise, franchise made a bet. He made a bet. When were these ever? He made a bet. Yeah, he made it. He made a bet that he will like get be drafted at all. Like he'll have be drafted as an NFL player. He had a bet that like 400. freaking six months ago. Yeah. 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 And that was yeah, that, that's, a, that's a wild market. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's where it's like that one took some swings and we're going to get paid on. Uh, the other one took some swings, early swings, I'm over two and a half, and I'm going to get burned on. So it's, it's part of the deal when you're going to play draft that early. I mean, to be, I mean, the logic. Well, it's, it seems the, silly now. It's not, dumb. Yeah, yeah like oh, the, the number. The, but know, like back but then, at the time, it was like, the logic was, was like, very oh, he's going to go be an outfielder. Oh, sure. If yeah, I had no. read that tweet and had yeah, that, that number, had that, that number book, made I sense. For sure. I would have, I would have been like, oh, yeah, no. But like, like, like as soon as you put two and two together, Steve Kime's still the GM. You're like, he's not going to admit he made a mistake on quarterback and draft another one. No fucking way. <laughs> and, yet, and yet here we sit today and I'm like, and here no we are. They don't. <laughs> there's no way they don't. <laughs> so it's wild, man. Um, all right. Well, that's about all I got as far as uh draft, uh, draft picking your brain. And I appreciate all the, uh, all the great insight. I'm really fired up for this draft. Uh, and you know, I've kind of, I've kind of laid out, uh, you know, the, the kind of walking through the mock there, that was like dream scenario for me in terms of, cashing as many as my bets as I as I made. Uh, so that was <laughs> yeah. somewhat optimistic and hopeful. Um, but uh, just out of curiosity, let me let me kind of get I'll, I'll recap now and you you tell me on a on a scale of like um, one sweat bead to like five sweat beads how much I should be sweating some of these props that I laid uh, when I yep. was pretty wasted on Saturday uh, firing away at five dimes because they finally hung props. <laughs> um, Dwayne Haskins over ten and a half at plus one twenty five. At that price, I, I I roll it all day. I would say to just two sweat beats. Um, <laughs> okay. Right, it makes sense based on what we've talked about. So I mean, that's what it, look at it. Would I fire on if that was available right now? Would I fire on it? Yeah. Okay. How about uh, Marquee Mar- Hollywood Brown over nineteen and a half minus two ten? Same one. I got that in two. Uh, that one shop. I before nineteen would be. He'd be quite. He goes first round. It's more in the twenties. I had another one, just two sweat beats. 
Okay. How about uh, Josh Allen over three and a half at minus one seventy? I love. I was telling people to bet that one today. Um, so again, that's a no. I I just can't see it without a trade up. And as you guys said, that's like Tampa trading up. It just just doesn't organizationally make a lot of sense for them. So without a trade up, I, I think that's I think that's going to cash. So that's another one I'd only go to sweat beats. Okay. How about uh, Jacobs uh, over twenty five and a half at uh, minus one forty? That one's a little, <laughs> a little sweaty. It's starting to get a little sweaty. Speed on that one, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. That's okay. Yes, That's okay. Over all the competition okay. right there. How about uh, well, how about DK Metcalf over eighteen and a half at plus one hundred? I t- the the scenario where you would have some concern there is if somebody is going to do a swap or a trade up. Um, I still think that's a good price and a good position. Um, I bet first wide receiver off the board over 15 and a half or, you know, a couple of days ago. So I think late bet, teams yeah. is, yeah, is, is as, is, I, as early as you're going to see the first wide receivers without, without quite a surprise. Okay. All right. They're getting a little interesting now. <clears throat> uh, Drew Locke, draft position over 10 and a half, minus 140. I, I'm heavy on it too. I think it's the most... <laughs> The most fascinating in this game. If somebody takes them, it'll they'll have done a masterful job of of keeping it quite under the radar. But I, I would, if you want a, a bold take, I could see, and this is what maybe it'll burn me in the head for saying, but I could see a scenario where Drew Lock falls out of the first round. Gosh, one can only hope. I don't. I'm not that I have anything against Drew Lock. Uh, for all I can tell you, he's going to be an amazing quarterback. Um, how about how about any other quarterback drafted second? Minus three hundred compared to that's this is for also for Drew Lock, so I'm double yeah. I double dipped on this one. No, same. I unless the Giants have, have again slept on the the lock love for them and they were you know playing up with the Jones there. Then I think you'll get either the Giants at six or the Skins at fifteen. I don't think Lock is the first QB they're going to take either one of them. So. Yep. Two sweat yep, yep. Okay. <laughs> Daniel Jones, second quarterback drafted, plus 170. Yeah, that was another one I, I hit uh, a little richer um, price, but it was, and again, so it depends on some other factors, but if if he's isn't there where the Giants can go him at six? I mean, Jeremiah had it, and it makes, if that's your guy and you want it to be, and the Rosen situation isn't defined by the time they pick i, I don't know how to risk someone else scooping them up so no i like it okay all right i feel pretty good actually i feel i feel okay i'm not gonna be too sweaty i wish i had some more i hate you know this is better content but i what's yeah. the sweat what's up this, this is gonna go bad this is a funny this is a fun game <laughs> andy, andy you got any of your sweat no i've hit a few of those um i mean I, I'm still I'm still delving into the market. There, I have not got nearly as involved as I did last year, just because I got I got burned by a few last year. I think some of the like the the over unders for the entire round, I feel like some of those are a mistake to even bet. 
because yeah, you really because don't you do sure. get such you get such wild swings in the the second half of the first round, but you never know. And I, I do like a few of those. I have a couple of those. Um, I mean, Murray first overall three on plus three hundred. Yeah, yeah. No sweat beats for for let's, sure. Let's get that yeah, for sure. That one is zero. Okay, okay. No, and I'll give. I just throw my draft but, strategy standpoint of, of how I usually attack it. There, there is very rarely going to be a time where I have a lot of exposure on a single draft prop. Great point. Um, great. And I will almost always, if, you know, I'm getting a good number and then I can arm off some of the risk and, you know, maybe not fully pre-roll it, but but take a percentage off. It's such an uncertain event that that there are very few scenarios where I'm going to be okay taking, you know, multiple unit exposure on any prop. Uh, You know, last year was McGlinchey. Where you know, he felt okay with it. Yeah, and this year not, it'll be sweat that I'll have. You know, I'll take yeah. a, a hit if he okay. ends up going top seven. But again, very, very rare that I'm going to ever really expose myself on any single one of these, no matter what it is. Sure enough, yeah. The, and 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 what's funny is like last year, I feel like McGlinchy was like the no no doubter. Um, but there was another one that was also pretty bad. I can't. Remember. There was another one that was also pretty bad last year. I can't remember it off the top of my head. But um, but I ha- I don't have any of those as like a comfortable landing spot where I know for sure I'm not going to lose everything because there was a couple that were just absolute trash that I got early enough that I have you know I'm going to land comfortably right. So you know, I yeah, I definitely yeah I'll, I'll be sweating a little bit on uh, on Thursday, but uh, glad hopefully not. Hopefully we don't. Hopefully, hopefully, as the the Broncos pick is being announced, there's not a full five sweat beats uh, because no other quarterback has been taken, and and uh, and uh, McShay is is tipping lock. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah. Um, you know what? We're we're gonna call here first. Broncos go defense. Broncos go defense. No worries. They ought to. I guarantee. Bush. Take take Bush. Get the Michigan. That kid. That kid will be yes. great uh, for the Broncos. Yes. Please. Yeah. Take Bush. One hundred percent. I'm. I'm. I just guaranteed it. I, I don't think it's you need Vic, to worry. You got, Zero sweat you got Vic. You got Vic Fangio, head coach there now. Give him a little pat on the yeah. back. No, Give he's him gonna, a little, yeah, uh, he's young, gonna young horse. Somebody. Give him a young horse. Give. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great call. Yeah. You get. You got a. You got a formidable unit there at uh, Mile High. You know. You already got your quarterback for the future and Joe Flacco. You don't need a draft quarterback. Yeah, Fangio's <laughs> not taking quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Good stuff, guys. That was a that was a ton of fun. Thank you for your time. Uh, be sure to track down Joey on Twitter. If you don't, uh, we interact with him all the time, so you should probably already be following him. Uh, but if you don't, where can they find you? Hey, at uh, Joey Kanish twenty two. Um, it'll be hot and heavy all week into the draft season. Um, and then let's go Thursday night. And then right into NBA draft because it's like a it's just like roll right into NBA draft, right? It's a little bit of like it's a little oh, bit yeah. of a. Uh, it's a little bit of a withdrawal because you don't get as many NBA draft props, right? But it's pretty right, pretty short right. turnaround. No, it is. Yeah, usually – and we hey, we had a great show last year, NBA draft. So hopefully we can replicate some of that. I mean, you get a little bit more uncertainty with the NFL and definitely a little bigger palette. Um, but, yeah, draft season, it never ends. Draft season never sleeps, man. It's true. <laughs> All right, you can even bet on the NBA lottery if you uh, if you really want to pay a bit. I said, if you end up taking minus EV bets, yes, the NBA lottery is up better. <laughs> All right, thanks again, man. Then, yeah, if you uh, want to do just do, yeah, just do the regular lottery if you're going to do that. It's <laughs> yeah. easier. 
do that at the do that at the gas station. <laughs> there you go. You did you know at Bovati you can bet the numbers game? Have you seen that? <laughs> Which is literally like oh my like, god! Like yes. it's like it's like a super <laughs> it's like a super degen Kino thing that they have ongoing numbers game. You can bet if it's going to be odd. It's so it's so yeah. bad. Anyway, um, all right. I just noticed that today as I was combing their site looking for their draft props, which they did not have up. Uh, even though tomorrow, didn't the guys say they're going to give out to them tomorrow? Okay. We had Tuesday. Right, well, yeah, there should we, be plenty of sharp gut yeah, check on. I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. There'll be some soft yeah. lines there. Yeah, Someday. Sure there'll be some soft Someday. lines there. Um, except not. Uh, anyway, all right. Take it easy, guys. Best of luck. Enjoy the draft. Have a great weekend. And uh, yeah, Dra- Joey will probably drop some fantastic round two, round three. Uh, draft prop knowledge for you after Thursday uh, when you're kind of rolling all those winnings right back into uh, more draft props. So check them out on Twitter. Hopefully we uh, have it up when we get the round, and then we'll keep (laughs) going right into it. (laughs) All right. Take care. Good luck. Appreciate it, guys.